This isn't just like a cute three-point sermon. Like these are biblical truths that we need to get into our hearts and minds. Suffering, number one, is to be expected. Just like the cross was expected, just like Jesus was fulfilling scripture, they should have known this was coming. He told them, your suffering, it's been predicted like in numerous ways. First off, you're told to take up your cross and follow Jesus. A cross is a suffering type thing um, of the highest degree. It was like there was no example Jesus could have picked in the first century that was a greater illustration of suffering than the cross. There just wasn't one. It was called the extreme penalty, like the ultimate penalty by the people back in the time. You're also told that persecution is something you're going to endure. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.12, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So you'll suffer persecution. And I think that in, in the season that's coming our way in our world, that that persecution is going to increase. And this isn't to make us paranoid or make us think that everything's persecution when it's not. But yeah, it's probably increasing. And we need to set our face like flint. Be ready to face it. It's coming. But then there's another aspect of our suffering, and that is groanings. And for this, I want to give you a scripture because I, I think some of the prosperity preaching that we've heard has really damaged our ability to understand this. And then it messes us up, creates false expectations. But in Romans 8, I won't read through the whole thing, but in Romans 8, uh, Paul talks about how creation is groaning. It's going through groanings. And so... Um, the, uh, it's, it's in slavery to corruption, creation itself. And what he seems to be talking about in Romans 8 is things like tornadoes and um, hurricanes and, and animal suffering and animal pain and forest fires. And those kinds of things, earthquakes, this sort of stuff that's like the suffering of creation where the world's beautiful but things aren't right. Things aren't quite right. Then, so, so this is not things like where you sin and you deserve this. It's just stuff that happens that's part of the overall plan of God's redemption. He allows this temporary time of pain and suffering. Then he says this. After creation groans and suffers, he says not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves. This is a powerful and profound idea, and I hope I can help it sink in. When you have pain that is beyond words, you can only groan. When you don't know how to express how you're feeling, you can only groan. Paul is saying that you, yeah, you, even Christians, even spirit-filled Christians, you will have groanings that are a result of just living in a fallen world that are very hard to go through. And you will just groan. Now, he then goes on to say that we have the Holy Spirit who helps us, right? That we can, we can, we can pray as you read on, I'm just scanning through it in with my own eyes here. But as you read on, you can see that the Spirit intercedes with groanings. That is my very painful, too much for words I'm going through. And I just groan to the Lord. He hears me. He understands. He's there for me. But here's my point. This suffering is to be expected. Persecution, suffering because you have to die to yourself. You have to give up things as you're following Jesus Christ. You take that strict path of discipleship, true discipleship in Christ. As well as just groanings because the world hurts. That's expected. First important lesson. Second, second point on suffering is that sufferings for our character. Your suffering that you're going through right now, the suffering you'll experience next year, five years, 10 years from now, things that you, you, you didn't have words for, you don't even know how to explain, you never could have anticipated it. That suffering is for your character. James, I, I gotta read these verses to you. James chapter one, verses two through four. And maybe you're thinking, I know, Mike, I know this. No, you, you can't just know it as you nod your head and 
wash you you wave it away you got to know it when it comes into your heart and brings you comfort that's how you have to know it james 1 verse 2 consider it all joy my brethren when you encounter various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance endurance or patience you're learning to endure this is causing character growth in you and let endurance have its perfect result or mature result so that you may be perfect or mature and complete lacking in nothing so the the goal that god is bringing out of my pain and suffering is my character growth that is he's not making you more wealthy he's not making you better looking he's not making you more capable of doing things in this world he's changing your actual character now if i can offer a cheesy illustration which i will i will do with or without your permission um I, uh, I, I've always enjoyed video games. I, I don't enjoy them as as you get older. Like I just don't enjoy them as much. But I still like sometimes will play video games just to, you know, have a good time, relax, and uh, not, probably not as often as I should actually. At any rate, the games that I tend to like are the games where I have a character in the game, and you can like level up the character. Whereas games where it's more about the gear, and you get better gear, I just don't find those as interesting. For some reason, the idea that the um, the leveling up is attached to the gear instead of the character is just less appealing to me. I don't know why this is. Maybe maybe you're the same way. But thinking that the character themselves is growing stronger is somehow satisfying to me. Well, when I go through suffering, it is not giving me better gear in this life. I'm not getting rich. I'm not getting stronger physically. I'm not getting whatever, even stronger mentally in many cases. I am, however, getting more godly character. And that character growth is permanent. That character growth is eternal. I'm going to take this, the, the growth even brought through pain and I'm going to carry that with me into eternity, into heaven. And that is worth it. It doesn't feel like it perhaps, but I believe it's absolutely worth it. And that's why you should count it all joy. Another verse that gives us this is 1 Peter 1, verses 6 and 7. In this you greatly rejoice. That's talking about our, we're rejoicing in our future glory and the salvation we've received. Even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. And here's the so that. Peter's telling you what your trials are for. Please let this sink in your heart. The, so that the proof of your faith being much more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested tested by fire may be found to to excuse me i keep stumbling may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of jesus christ that is there's going to be this character growth and that your faith and your trust in god that shines when you go through hard times that will be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of jesus christ wow it's worth it. It's for your character. And finally, I'll give you one last thing. Final point on suffering. And we've got to get our head wrapped around this. Because otherwise we're like the disciples who when they saw the cross didn't see the resurrection and they despaired. You see your suffering and you don't see the glory that's coming and you will despair. In light, here's the third point. In light of the glory that is coming our way. The certain and guaranteed glory that is coming the way of every true believer in Christ. Our suffering is nothing. And for this, we have an incredible passage in, in uh, 2 Corinthians. Incredible passage. This is, I don't know if you've ever seen how powerful this is, what the incredible contrast is that he's trying to give us. But if we can, if we can let it hit our minds, it might hit our hearts as well. So 
in second Corinthians, Paul gives us his account of like how they go through all kinds of suffering. And um, he says they're afflicted, they're perplexed, they're persecuted, they're struck down. And then this crazy one, they're always being given over to death. How extreme is that? What if those terms described your life? Afflicted, perplexed, meaning you don't really understand what's going on. Even the apostle, sometimes he went through suffering and was like, I don't really understand what God's doing, right? He's perplexed, right? But he's not in despair. He hasn't given up, but he acknowledges he doesn't know what's going on. So he's afflicted, perplexed, persecuted, struck down, always being given over to death. Does that describe you? This is like the worst kind of thing you could have happening in your life. You have physical affliction. You have confusion about the things going on in your life. You have persecution coming from people outside you. You are being struck down, though not destroyed, sure, but you're being struck down. You feel beat down and you're actually going to die. You're being given over to death. Okay, after saying all that, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verses 16 and 17. This is why you've, you've got to see how bad things were for Paul to catch what he says next. Therefore, we do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying. Is that describe you? Your outer man is decaying. Yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. We have spiritual renewal even while we suffer. Then he says something even more extreme. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Let me remind you now, and here's, here's, here's where you've got to, it's just got to hit you. What Paul describes as momentary and light affliction is afflicted, perplexed, persecuted, struck down, and always being given over to death. They are carrying about the dying of the body of Jesus. This is, this is worst case scenario. And to him, it's momentary, it's temporary, and it's light affliction. Was it actually light affliction? Absolutely not. Why does he call it light affliction? Because he compares the lightness of that to the weight of the glory that is coming. And even the suffering I'm going through is part of my path to eternity and glory and joy. And by comparison, and here's the key. All the troubles and overwhelming groanings that you go through, when you compare that to the glory that's to come, it's light by comparison. It could weigh a ton, but this weighs a billion tons. It just doesn't compare. And this to me is an incredible Christian hope that the suffering I'm going through now has no comparison, no matter how bad it is, to the glory that's coming. Let me give you an example of, of what I mean by this. Let's say that you, I put you in a slingshot and we'll pretend that you're a kid so that you're not scared and you think you can't die. Um, so I put you in a slingshot, a giant slingshot. And suffering is like being pulled back in the slingshot. And glory is like when you get released. And so as you're pulled back in the slingshot further and further, that like represents your life as suffering. You're getting pulled down further and further. You feel the tension. You feel the hardship. You feel the pain. But you know something in the slingshot. You know the further back you get pulled, the higher up you are going to soar when this thing gets let go. That is what we should think about with our suffering. As bad as this is, I know that if what's coming far outweighs it in glory, then as bad as this is, what's coming must be amazing. The comfort that's on its way must be so grand. I, I, I can't imagine being comforted through the things I'm going through now, but how amazing must the glory be if it's incomparable to this? 
This is a huge and important point that we need to get our heads wrapped around. Raise your expectations for the glory that's coming. As much as you suffer, realize there's like an inverted image from suffering to glory, except it's times a thousand or a million or whatever. It's just way more. I believe one day we will appreciate our suffering. Just like the disciples, they, they were in despair when they saw Jesus on the cross. And not too long after, they were rejoicing in the cross because of the resurrection. Me, when I am with you in heaven, we're going to be able to look back at our suffering in this life. And I can't do it now. I admit that I'm perplexed like Paul. I don't understand it right now. But there's a day where I'll look back and I'll say, Lord, I rejoice even in the suffering because I see what it brought about in eternal life. I see the glory that came even out of those hard things and those bad things. And just knowing that that's coming means that I could I could try to practice my my uh, my pride, my, my prideful thought that I wouldn't be like the disciples by examining my life and saying, am I like the disciples right now? Seeing the cross, but not the resurrection. Seeing my suffering, but not the glory that's to come. I think that's the bottom line.